And now, Ben Chase. Thank you, John Lewis. <laughs> Super good uh, to uh, hear that story from Gina, isn't it? And you know, that's so much about who we are as a community of people that we want to encourage and help and journey together to see people encounter the Holy Spirit, come alive in the word of God and grow to be part of the community of faith and make a difference in the world around. Um, so thank you to Gina for sharing that. Today is the end, the final part of our series on the Kingdom of Light. I'm so sad, um, but I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've got a lot out of it. And today we're like rubber hits the road as we get to the final part of the series, because today we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, the Kingdom of Light, a Kingdom of Generosity. Now, in order to be able to do that, we have to talk about all sorts of concepts like generosity, uh, giving, finance, tithing, money. And I know uh, that for a lot of us, this is a topic we desperately, desperately don't want to talk about. Um, maybe as you're in 2020, as John said a few minutes ago, you look at your own finances or you look around the world and you think, oh my goodness, like it's just such a mess. Maybe um, because you've been in churches where this has been a topic which has been spoken about in really unhelpful ways. Maybe you've not been taught well about money or maybe tithing and giving has been spoken about really as a way to help the pastor get his next Gulfstream jet. And of course, whilst I fully uh, appreciate and support that gesture, that's not what we want to talk about here at Vintage. But this is an era, you know, in my life, way before I ever became a pastor, way before I ever got paid to work for a church, when I realized that God had a better story than all of those things, where God wanted to outwork things in my life and through my life, which could change and transform the world. And my story, my journey from seeing this as a topic which I don't want anything to do with or which I do incredibly reluctantly through to a story which I just love um, has been an amazing one. And I hope to share a bit with you this morning because I believe this is an area where God can release incredible healing and blessing in our lives if we will partner with him in the kingdom of light. And so I hope that you will be excited as we do that this morning. Now, in order to do that, we're going to launch straight in. We're going to go straight into the Bible. And I'm actually going to start at Adam and Eve, as I mentioned last week. So when God creates Adam and Eve, he says to them, hey, you're my children. I love you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be so generous with you. Anything that you need, I will give. But I want you to show trust. I want you to demonstrate faith in, in, in waiting on me and allowing me to bless your life. And when God uh, institutes the people of Israel who are like his nation, he sets up laws for them as a nation. And at the heart of their life together, in order to express this reality, God creates this thing called tithing. Now, tithing is just an old English word. It means one-tenth. And effectively, what would happen is that when the Israelites had a harvest, they were farmers largely, they would bring the first tenth of their harvest to the temple and they would lay it there. And part of that uh, harvest went to provide for the ministry needs of the temple. Part of that uh, harvest went to care for the poor and the lost and the least, the widows in the community. And part of it was simply burnt in front of the people as a burnt offering. Um, I don't know how you'd feel if we had a church offering and when we just lit it up in front of you, all your dollar bills, I don't know if you'd be too happy. But really, all of this was a way for the people to say, God is good. God will provide. God is in charge. 
But then as you go through to the New Testament, you see Jesus. And you always have to ask the question whenever you read of an Old Testament law or a truth, what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say in the New Testament? What did Paul say? What did the early church believe about that? And you might have expected Jesus, who you know, was all about freedom and grace and mercy and forgiveness, to be straight up going, don't worry about that. You know, that's not important. That's not relevant anymore. Now it's all just about love and grace and mercy and nice things. Well, Jesus actually says things like this. When you tithe, do the following. He tells these amazing stories like the one where there's a rich guy who walks into the temple with his full tithe, like sacks of cash, and he plunks them down in the temple looking so proud, looking so pleased with himself because of the huge amount of money he's giving. And then this little widow comes in quietly, humbly at the back with two tiny coins and lays down those coins at the feet of those in the temple. And of course, Jesus says, which one of these two really understands worship? Which one of these two really understands faith? Which one of these two really understands what it means to give sacrificially? In fact, Jesus has so much that he teaches us about this topic. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus tells are about money and possession and finances and giving. Um, One sixth of all of the words in the whole of the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, address this topic. Jesus over and over again reminds the people that no, this is not about legalism. This is not about checking boxes. This is not about pride. This is not about looking good or trying to impress God. This is about grace. It's about sacrifice. It's about joy. It's about investing our lives and displaying incredible trust for who God is. But I know if you're like me, that this is quite a difficult topic to talk about. And it's difficult because the way that Jesus speaks about money is completely 180 degrees different from how we're all taught to think about possessions in our lives. I've got a little slide to show you. But this is, I think, this is the, shows the difference between our order and God's order for money. You see, in our order, it starts with this. Everything I have is mine right? If, if I don't go to work tomorrow, I don't get paid, which means I don't have enough to provide for myself. So it's mine. I earned it fair and square. And then because I've earned it, it's really natural that I am going to spend it on my needs. And then I'm going to spend it on my wants. Hopefully you do it that way around. Otherwise you really do get unstuck. And if there's a little bit left over at the end of the story, well, maybe, sure, I'll give a little bit away if there's a really good cause or I don't need that final bit of money or I'm going to get something back. Well, the kingdom order is so opposite because in the kingdom order, it starts with this. God owns everything. Every dollar, every possession, every gift, every skill, everything we have comes from God as a gift to us. And we give back as a sign of our faith, as a sign of our trust, not from the leftovers at the end of the story when everything else has been taken care of, but we give from the very first and the best of what we have because it's our way of showing to God that we trust him with our lives and our stuff. And amazingly though, as we do that, God provides for us. And not just that God provides for us, but God also multiplies what we give. He multiplies it in our lives. He multiplies it in the kingdom. He multiplies it throughout the world. And that's the concept. That's the order that I want us to think about this morning. And it's awesome. 
I love it. If you can sense a bit of excitement in my voice this morning, um, it is genuine. I love this topic because of what it means in the world. So we're going to have our reading this morning. And uh, I've cheated slightly because we were going through Luke and this story is in Luke's gospel. But John, when he records this gospel, actually includes some extra details, a bit longer, his account. And so uh, Steve Wu has kindly recorded for us uh, from John chapter six, the feeding of the 5,000. Good morning. Today's passage is from John chapter six, verses one through 14. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Thank you, Steve, for doing that. Actually recording it twice for me this week in two different versions. So the context is this, Jesus has been traveling throughout this area around the Lake of Galilee and these Galilean people, Jewish people who would have been largely fishermen and subsistence farmers have been following Jesus. And so totally out of the blue, Jesus has just held or is holding uh, the first ever Christian conference. You spotted it. Jesus is on a hillside. 5,000 men, probably similar number of women and some children as well, all listening to Jesus teach throughout the day. And it gets late in the day and the disciples come to Jesus and go, hey, Jesus, this is really great, all the things that you've been teaching, but these guys have not eaten all day. And so it would be super helpful if maybe we just sent them off for a dinner break so that then they can come back later for the evening praise and worship session. You know how it works in Christian conferences, right? But then Jesus, who always has a slightly like different way of doing things, he says to them, well, no, 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 send them off. What do you have in your hands effectively? And Simon Peter comes up and he brings this little boy to Jesus, a little boy who has in his possession five loaves and two fish. Now, these are not like two huge tuna and five massive French baguettes. It's just like this, probably. It would have been just literally his pack lunch. But the boy offers, he gives willingly, sacrificially his dinner to Jesus. And as he does, it becomes the basis of the most astonishing miracle probably that's ever recorded. We hear this story over and over again because it's so amazing what Jesus does next. It's a story of generosity, of sacrifice, of giving. But why do we struggle with this topic? Like, why do we find this hard? What are the reasons that we find it difficult to act just like the little boy in the story acted? Well, I don't know if you first up ever find yourself saying this. 
Like, I just don't have enough. Like, I don't even have enough for me to get what I need and what I want, let alone, like, to give anything else to anyone else in life. You know, if, if I was rich, like Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, I would be, like, the most generous person in the whole history of the world ever. I would give so much. But because it's just me and I struggle just to make ends meet, I'm not going to give. I'm going to leave that to the rich. But do you notice this small boy who comes, his mom has like just carefully and kindly wrapped him up one packed lunch so that he can have one meal that day. To give his packed lunch away is actually borderline silly. I can like imagine his mom telling him off when he got home that day for what he'd done. The fact that Jesus receives from this small boy his dinner is a bit cruel, right? It's a bit like taking candy from a baby. And if you've ever tried that, that's a terrible idea and it definitely doesn't work. So don't, don't do it. But for a very specific reason, this is actually exactly how the kingdom of God works. This move of faith that the boy does is what sparks this incredible miracle for one reason. And if you don't hear anything else from the whole of today, just hear this truth. You, I, anybody cannot outgive God. We can never outgive God. When God calls us to be sacrificial, when God calls us to be generous, when God calls us to give, he always provides for us. If you go back again to the Old Testament, to the book of Malachi, another time when God's people were really in a crossroads, they didn't know what to do, they were in a complete mess. And the word of God comes through the prophet Malachi, and in Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, says the Lord, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The human story says to us, unless I hold on to what I have, unless I grab hold of it so tightly, I won't have enough. When the kingdom story actually says, unless I learn to be generous, I won't have all that God desires for my life. This is the only place in the whole of the Bible when we are invited to test God. I don't know if you've ever thought about going out in the street and like standing in the middle of traffic and going, well, if God's really will, he'll stop the cars hitting me. I'll test God or I'll test God in some other way. Well, none of that is actually what we're told to do in scripture. We're never told to test God except in this one area of our lives. We are told to give sacrificially. And as we do so, God will provide for us. We can actually never have enough of God's blessing in our life unless we learn generosity. The boy, if you notice, doesn't start by having too much and giving a little bit away. In fact, he starts with very, very little. But I had this picture, I don't know about you, at the end of the, this kind of parable, the end of the miracle, the end of the day, and the boy is just like lying there on this hillside in like this food coma, along with like 12,000 other people, and there's all these leftovers of food all around going, what on earth just happened there? That's what it means to understand God's blessing as we give out of sacrifice and worship and faith. We grow in faith when we grow in generosity. We grow in worship when we grow in generosity. And we grow in love when we grow in generosity. So it doesn't matter whether we have enough to start with. But also, if you ever found yourself saying this, what I, can't, what I can give, that's never going to change anything. 
Now, the, the very little that's in my hands, that's not going to transform a situation. That's not going to transform the world. You know, the disciples set up this problem for us brilliantly. Philip comes to Jesus and he's saying, hey, look at all these people. Like it would take six months wages just to get enough bread for even them to have one bite eat. We don't have enough. When Simon Peter comes with the little boy, he's like, well, here's a little boy. He's got some food. That's not going to work, Jesus. It's so easy, isn't it, to think that we just don't have enough to make a difference. It's our human understanding. Whether we look at like a problem like COVID-19. Oh man, it's just us. There's nothing we can do to be helpful in this situation. So let's just do our own thing. Or when we look at our neighbors who are in need, maybe struggling to pay their rent, people who are suffering and in pain, we go, well, we, we don't have enough. It's beyond us to do anything about that. I'll leave the generosity. I'll leave the sacrifice. I'll leave all that to the people who are more experienced or richer or more capable in life than I am. But here's the second truth I really want us to grab hold of today. God is so much less interested in amounts than he is in faith. God is much less interested in amounts than he is in our faith. If you hop back again to the Old Testament, there's this guy called Gideon. And Gideon was a leader in the Jewish army. He was a man of God. And one day he comes up against the Midianite army and he has to fight them. And he's got about 20,000 troops, something like that. So he goes before God and he's like, God, I don't think we can do this, but can you help us? And God says to Gideon, okay, well, the first thing you need to do is this, get rid of half of your army. And so then Gideon's got like 10,000 soldiers to face up against the whole nation. He's thinking, well, that's not going to work. So he goes back to God and then God does the second process. And by the end of the process, Gideon has 300 soldiers with which he has to conquer a whole nation. And that's the moment when God says, okay, mate, like now, now you're ready because now you understand what it means to depend and to trust on earth, on us. God so often says to us, like what's, what's in your hands? What's in your hands because the little that I you have in your hands is enough for me to transform the world I was talking to some old youth leaders this last week and I was reminiscing how their involvement in my life transformed everything but I was thinking as well like I don't actually know who it is that I should thank in the church where I was a teenager where people just very sacrificially gave out of the little that they have so that the church could employ the youth pastor in the first place so that they could walk through faith with me and I could live the story out and carry on through my teenage years loving Jesus. And I don't know who to thank when I was at university and you know, I was in this kind of relatively poor area of the United Kingdom and people in that church gave very sacrificially so that the church could employ a student pastor and he would just meet up for me with coffee for me and we would just hang out and he would encourage me and spur me on to continue my journey of faith. I don't know who to thank and I bet those people never really stopped to think in those terms because they probably all thought, well, this isn't enough to do anything. But when they together joined in the body of Christ and joined in the kingdom purposes that God invited them into, my life was transformed. And isn't it amazing to think that one day somebody might say, oh man, those guys at Vintage Pasadena, you know, when they sacrificially gave and they ran Alpha or they hired a youth pastor or a kids coordinator, whatever it might be, wow, my life, like Gina's, as she shared this morning, was transformed by the ministry of this church. That is what spurs me on when I think about generosity. 
we have to be people who learn not to be this kind of stressed out, anxious, grabber's hold of our time and our money and our possessions, but instead that we learn to give freely so that we're not like the bottleneck in the kingdom purposes of God, but we're actually the conduit of the kingdom purposes of God. I consider it such a blessing that we get to play a part in God's story on earth. What a privilege is that? So, well, what about us? What about Vintage Pasadena? What about today? Well, I just want to spend a few minutes talking to you about our church. If you are just visiting today, if you're just hanging out with us, you've flicked on Facebook or YouTube, sit back, relax, uh, enjoy. But if you are part of a church, this church, I just want to speak to you uh, for a few minutes. We don't talk a lot about membership yet at Vintage Pasadena. We haven't quite got there yet. But we do often talk about four ways that we ask people to partner with us in this church. If this is your church, firstly, we ask you that you would come on a Sunday. The great news is you can come on Sunday from anywhere in the world now. You can come from your living rooms. You can come from other countries. But we ask always that you would join us, that you be part of this, because this is our expression of being family together. But we also ask that you join in with a community group because particularly in 2020, community groups are the place of life. They are the place where we get to spur each other on. They are the place where we get to be a blessing to one another. And so we ask, hey, would you be in a community group? We've currently got about 130 people in community groups. I'd love that that number would double in the next six months. Wouldn't that be amazing to see new groups, new life cropping up? But the third way that we ask you to be involved is that we ask you to give sacrificially of your time we ask that you would serve on a team. Now, I know in 2020, teams look a little bit different to how they usually look. Uh, we don't have all of the normal things that we would have at Hamilton, but we have so many ways that you can serve the kingdom of God, whether it's to bless and to help one of the needy in our community or in our city through working with one of our mission partners, or even we have people who just need help with shopping or need help running errands at the moment. Maybe it's to help with this amazing thing that we do here on Sunday mornings and to help with tech, to help with hosting, to help with music, to help with production, all those kind of things. Or even it's to help with Alpha, to help with community groups, so many ways you can serve. But we also, fourthly, and we want to be really honest and upfront about it, say that we would love to invite you, if this is your church, to partner financially with us for all the reasons I've just said. Now, it's really interesting if you look at the boy, the boy gives not even knowing if he's going to get any dinner. Like that isn't why the boy gives. He just knows that he's called to be sacrificial and generous. But I do want to be really honest and upfront with you. We're church together. And so I want to show you some numbers about Vintage Pasadena for the coming year. Now, this is uh, in July, we started our first full year of ministry together. It's exciting. Not quite what we expected, I have to say but it's yet an opportunity to see God's kingdom come. And so we've put together a little budget for the next year. A little slide's gonna come up on the screen so that you can see it. Um, you can see in the top right corner that we have a budget of about $495,000, which is what we hope, which is what we pray in faith that we're gonna be able to use to build God's kingdom in this place. Uh, some of that uh, money that we are due to receive um, will come from Vintage Santa Monica, and we're super grateful to Gare and the team there who sacrificially and continue to provide for us this year. This is the last year that we'll get some support and finance from Vintage Santa Monica, but we love those guys, and we're grateful to them for all that they do to support us. 
but the big majority of everything we need will be have to raise locally. Obviously, our budgets are going to change a bit depending on how COVID-19 works out, but this is kind of how it breaks down, just in case you're interested in these kind of things. So um, the first uh, big two-third chunk actually is our ministry budget. It's what we are going to be using this year to have staff. It's what we're going to be using this year to rent facilities. This facility, hopefully, Hamilton Elementary, when we're able to do that again. Uh, our little offices that we have in Pasadena. It's also the budget that we use for staffing, for insurances, for back office costs, for accounting costs, for all sorts of different behind-the-scenes things that enables the church to operate and be that it needs to be. On top of that, though, we also uh, have about 10% of our income, which goes to uh, worship and tech. So we are, have this amazing opportunity to develop this that we're doing at the moment. And so about 10% of our income comes to help develop and help music grow, to help technology facilitate worship. And it's so cool that we have people tuning into our weekly services now, not just in California, but actually around the world. And what a blessing it is to be able to do that through worship and technology. Um, about another 10% of our income goes to working with children and working with teenagers. And it's super amazing if you just caught the VKids session at the beginning. We want to continue to grow that and are grateful that our church has like a little blossoming number of children and young people already, which is great. But then this is the bit that I'm really excited about and I'm excited about the other bits too. But 14%, the remainder of our budget actually goes to onward invest in the kingdom of God beyond our own lives. 14% of our giving goes, to, of our incoming money goes straight out to outreach projects. And I want to show you what that looks like on this second slide. So if you notice, uh, we give about 40, 43%, roughly, specifically, of that remaining money goes to plant churches through the Vintage Network and also through our diocese. We are committed to being a church that goes on to help resources other churches in LA and around the country like Vintage to birth. Isn't that exciting that we get to do that? About another 40% of that goes to help us running Alpha. And uh, although the first Alpha course this year is going to be online, our hope and our prayer is that we'll be able to run some physical Alpha courses, that we're going to be able to invite people to come for amazing dinners, that we're going to be able to rent a nice venue so that we can share evenings together to talk about Jesus. And it was great to hear that you know, people like Gina are already signing up for our first Alpha course. But then on top of that as well, we also have a community action team. So we have uh, community partners, STARS, Door of Hope, emergency relief funds so that we can give to Beirut and places which going through all sorts of trauma in, um, allows us to respond quickly. And also for an amount of money that we can set aside to bless Hamilton. And this month we've got our first ever community action day at Hamilton where we're going to be painting and decorating and just blessing that local school community. So I'm, I'm really excited by that. You might not be so excited, I don't know, but I am because I'm so excited that we get to be a church that is already acting as a conduit to see God's kingdom come just beyond our little community, but also out into the world. So uh, what's your response? Um, I realize up till now, I've not given you like percentages or numbers, told you what I'm asking, but I wanna just finish by saying uh, this. Maybe today, uh, you are in a place where you know, your finances are just a mess, if you're honest. Maybe you're in, in debt. Maybe each day is just a, a, an anxiety and a struggle. And if that's where you are, my first invitation to you is I really want to invite you that you would come on our financial peace 
course. Um, there is actually a little uh, fee to register with the online with the the national organization who runs it but we'll actually cover that fee for you if you would like to go on that course because we want you to experience the freedom and blessing that God wants to give you in this this area but maybe for you you know your finances are in good shape but you know giving tithing all those kind of words have been the domain of the rich, the domain of the older, the domain of those who've got this all in hand. Maybe you've never regularly given. And if that's you, I, I'd love you to pray. I'd love you to just take some time to consider what God might invite you into it. And I'd love to encourage you just to give, give something regularly, like not out of the bit that comes at the end of the month when you've given everything else and you've got a little bit left over because, hey, guess what? We don't give when we do that but to give first, to give on your payday, to give when you've given first. Because I promise that as you do that, you will see amazing things of God at work. You know, when, when Laura and I, we were, um, we were heading into seminary, you know, we, we knew that we were just in financial trouble. And we'd committed as a family to, to give, to tithe. We'd committed that every month the first tenth of our income would go to the church. We committed that it would go uh, to support some local missionaries and missionaries and different organizations around the world. But when we went into seminary, we knew that we had to give up almost all of our income. And I knew that, you know, I wanted, well, I was desperate that we were to continue to give in some way, but I thought, well, do I just take the first tenth and then just like, you know, of what I now receive and just tell all these people like, I'm sorry, we can't give anymore. We're just going to give a little. Um, and I, I'm not saying do this because this is just what we did and I'm not saying you should do the same. But when I went to look at my bank balance that day, um, I just felt God say to me, hey, just, just keep giving. All that actually happened was that I looked at my bank balance and looked at the, every month the little amounts that were automatically set to go out and I just couldn't bring myself to cancel those amounts. And so I left them. I just left them where they were. And I thought, well, if I run out of money next month, I'll apologize to Laura and I'll say, I'm really sorry, we ran out of money. Um, and then we'll reduce all the amounts. But one month went past. And do you know what happened? We survived. The next month went past and we had more than we needed. The next month went past. The next month went past. In fact, after two years of seminary training, I realized that actually we were receiving so much money in from different little sources here, there, and everywhere. So actually we were saving at such a fast rate that our bank account was like filling up with cash. And I'd sit down with Laura and say, oh my goodness, hon, we've got a problem. This is not, this is not morally correct. Actually, we need to give. And so we were able to then start to give to other places, to other people. You know, for me, um, I've committed this year that I'm going to give more than I gave last year. And last year, I committed that I was going to give more than I gave the year before. For some of us, we have been in a regular giving pattern for a long time. Maybe you've checked the tithing box for decades now. But I want to finish by just saying this to you. You know, what might God say to you today about more? What might God say to you about his sacrifice. What might God say to you about blessing? I really believe that we're all on a journey. One day I hope to be someone who gives away the vast majority of all I receive because I want to believe and trust that God will provide for that. I'm just taking baby steps. But as I close now, the band are going to come and play, but we're just going to take up an offering. And I really do want to ask you to consider um, your response. I want to ask you to consider giving uh, a regular amount. If you're someone who gets paid you know, monthly, then make it a monthly one. If you get someone who gets paid occasionally, make it in a different format. It's not important. 
But I ask you to trust. I want to ask you to stand in faith, believing that God will provide, not in a prosperity gospel you're going to get rich way, but just so that you might experience the joy, the freedom, and the generosity of God as we learn more, as we take little steps forward in our lives to give sacrificially, to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So will you pray with me? Father, just first up, I I just want to pray if anyone feels under pressure or feels guilty through anything I've just said, I'm I'm really sorry. I thank you that you aren't a God of legalistic box checking, that you aren't interested in us trying to impress you with our amounts. But I thank you that you just invite us into this amazing story that sees lives transformed. And I want to thank you that you've invited me and you've invited Laura to be a a little part of this story. And I know that you've invited all of us who are part of this community to be part of this ongoing story of seeing lives transformed in vintage in this city across the world. And so, Lord, as we take up an offering now, I I pray that you would just speak your, your words of affirmation to us. That, Lord, where we feel broken and hurting in this area, that you would bring healing to us. That where we feel uh, just, I don't know, like we're just pootling along, I pray that you would stretch us and challenge us. Thank you that we're not building our kingdom, we're building yours. Thank you for the invitation to play a part in your story on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. So just for a moment, uh, a little screen's going to come up and it'll have some details on how you might want to give regularly through PushPay, through our website, uh, Into the Life of the Church. Um, you're probably going to get a text in a minute as well, which is just there to give you a little quick and easy way of linking to it. Um, and then I'm not going to speak about giving again for a while, don't worry. Um, but there'll be a little link on the screen. But as that link comes up, there'll also be a link to prayer ministry. And uh, the prayer team this morning felt that there was a word for somebody who, I think it was, had a, had, had a pain uh, in their arm. And uh, if that's you this morning, um, then the prayer team would love to pray with you. But also if it's anything to do with generosity and finances and giving, anything like that, that you would go and jump on that Zoom call as well this morning and allow that prayer team to bless you and pray uh, for you and uh, help you in all that you're uh, doing this morning. But just as the band play, let's just take a moment to take up our offering and then let's worship God together.